scripture reading will come from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 36 through 40. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all condemned for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Bless. So glad you made it back tonight, or maybe you were unable to be here this morning and you're here tonight. I'm thankful that you've chosen to be here. If you have a Bible, you might open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 will be our text this evening. Did you know that the average life expectancy in the United States is 78.5 years? That's something like 942 months, 4,082 weeks. That is something like 28,652 days. And when you put it like that, it sounds like a long time, doesn't it? 28,000 days? And you know that something like 4,000 of those are Mondays, so it really sounds like a long time, right? Mondays are so long. But the Bible has a different perspective on your life. It's more of a broader perspective, a perspective on your life in light of human history, in light of eternity. The Bible tells us what we already know but we don't really like to think about. James chapter 4, verse 14 says that your life is like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. A shadowy mist that rolls into a meadow or a valley and then quickly dissolves in the growing heat of the day. That's the truth about life. Life is short. That is the reality We know this because we often comment on how time flies, don't we? I mean, one day we are bringing that little baby home from the hospital. And the next day, we are attending his or her graduation. Time just seems to fly. And just when we're fooled into thinking that somehow time will wait on us, our bodies tell us a different story. Our bodies begin to wear out as we get older. Just this past week, I actually threw out my back a little bit. It wasn't bad, but I tweaked my back. You say, well, how did you do that? Were you lifting weights? Were you working around the house? Were you playing sports? No, I was putting on my shirt. That's the absolute truth. I tweaked my back, putting on my shirt. We're getting older. The mist is beginning to vanish, isn't it? I don't remind you of the brevity of life to discourage you. It can be depressing, right, to think about? Instead, maybe it can be a wake-up call to use the time you have, whatever time that is, to use it in a way that honors God, to invest your life and your time in what matters most, to live the abundant life that Jesus promises and provides, to live in such a way that your life leaves a legacy. It leaves something behind. That's what this Sunday evening series is all about. We're calling it Leave Your Mark. And it's intended to help us make the most of our lives. 
It's intended to help us see what God's word says about living with purpose and perspective. You know, most people try to live their lives. But God wants so much more. God wants you to use your life, to make a difference, to leave a legacy behind. And so let me ask you, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to leave behind? Some cities are famous for their landmarks. Paris has the Eiffel Tower. New York City, of course, has Times Square. San Francisco has the Golden Gate Bridge. And then there's a little town in Darwin called Darwin, Minnesota. This town's claim to fame is a little bit unusual. It's a giant ball of twine. Yep. This amazing sphere of string stands 11 feet tall, 40 feet around, and weighs a whopping 8.7 tons. And what's most incredible is the fact that this giant orb of twine was all made by one person, a man named Francis Johnson, spent 29 years winding twine into a ball. You might say he was on a roll. So bad. Thank you. I'll be here all night. Francis was a bachelor. Shocking. (laughs) I can't imagine that uh, a ball of string, a giant ball of string in the living room didn't scare off a few ladies, but he was a bachelor and he was a farmer and he obviously had a lot of time on his hands, so he just decided in 1950 to start winding up twine. And he did it until 1979, when he was 74 years old. This giant ball of twine has appeared on TV. It's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. And now it's proudly displayed at the center of the town in Darwin, Minnesota. There's also a cafe named after it. And there's an annual festival named after it. Well, Francis died in 1989, but his legacy, I guess you can say, lives on right? Or at least it lives on in this small town. And we look at stories like that and we laugh and we say, what a waste of time. How could he spend all that time winding up twine? That's all he had to show for his life? A giant ball of twine? And yet, what do we spend our time doing? (laughs) Is it any more valuable? Is it any less absurd? All the things that we work toward, all the things that we acquire in life, the money, the possessions, the achievements, the successes, are they really worth that much? Someone has said that we often give up what we want most to get what we want now. Think about that for a minute. Do you find that to be true sometimes in your life? Sometimes we give up what we want most to get what we want now. I recently saw a study that was done, and it said that four out of ten millennials admitted to spending more money on their daily coffee than they do contribute to their retirement fund. To them, the coffee was more important right now than retirement later. And that's, you could see how that happens. So often we want what we want now at the expense of what we want most. 
The truth is, what you are doing right now is determining your future legacy. I'm not talking necessarily about what monetary or material things you leave behind after you're gone. I'm talking about the things that matter, the things that endure. You see, leaving an inheritance, that's simply the result of death. But leaving a legacy, that is a way of life. That's a way of life. So what will your legacy be? That's what we want you to think about throughout this series, especially tonight as we talk about where legacies come from. Long after you're gone, and unfortunately long after you're forgotten, and most of us will be forgotten after at least two or three generations, what difference will your life have made? In the book of Hebrews, we read about some people who left a lasting imprint on their world. Some lived thousands and thousands of years ago, and yet we still remember them today. Their sacrifices inspired others. Their faith moved mountains, and their legacies have endured for generations. Hebrews chapter 11 is a directory of spiritual giants. We sometimes call it the Faith Hall of Fame. I want you to imagine for a moment that Hebrews chapter 11 is a literal museum. It's a display. It's a building. And you go into this building, this spiritual hall of fame. These giants have displays and and pictures and statues and storyboards and these days probably interactive exhibits. And as you go through this museum, you see the Noah exhibit. And then there's Abraham over there and Sarah next to him. There's Joseph and there's Moses, and there's Rahab, and on and on. And finally you get to a room, this impressive room. It's a circular room with names, with dates, with stories. This room is called the Room of Miracles and Martyrs. You try to take it all in. You're looking at the pictures. You're reading all the stories. And in the middle of the room is an exhibit with these inspired words written on it. These words come straight from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. These are the words on the inscription. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose, weaknesses, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And I love this phrase, the world was not worthy of them. If you want something said about you at your funeral, I would choose that. The world was not worthy of them. Why are these men and women remembered? Are they remembered because of their fame, because of their fortune? Are they remembered because of their worldly success, because of their social status, because of their political influence? 
Are they remembered because they spent 29 years winding up twine? (laughs) No. They are remembered for another reason. They are indelibly linked together by one common force that left a permanent imprint on the world. You see, they are remembered because they have an active, genuine, bold, daring faith. That's why we remember them. That's why they're listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at all the things they endured. They were attacked by lions, fires, sword. They were tortured. They were put in prison. They were targets of intense criticism and contempt. They were flogged. They were beaten. They were killed by stoning, sawed in two, killed by the sword. They were poor. They were destitute. They were persecuted and they were mistreated. And here we are. And we complain when we don't have free Wi-Fi or when the line at Chick-fil-A is too long. It puts it into perspective, doesn't it? These men and women took nothing with them when they died. But they certainly left something behind, didn't they? They left behind a vibrant faith to inspire others like us. They left behind an unquenchable hope to encourage others to keep going, even in the face of persecution. And they left behind an undeniable example to motivate others. They left an imprint of God's kingdom on their world. They leave behind a legacy of faithfulness. How do they do that? What is it about them that causes them to be remembered so many generations later? I think it's pretty simple. Simply said, not so simple to do. You see, these men and women gave themselves to something bigger than themselves. That's it. They gave themselves to something so much bigger than themselves. And that's how legacies are created. That's where legacies come from. Selfless sacrifice and faithful service. These things are the fertile soil for legacies to sprout up and to grow into legend. That's what can happen when we give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. That's where legacies are forged. In the fire sparked by an unflinching faith engaging a faithless world. Look how the Hebrews writer introduces chapter 11. As you are looking through this museum at all the displays, all the exhibits, all the pictures, all the stories, as you entered into this building, there is a sign at the entrance. And on that sign are the words from Hebrews chapter 10, obviously the chapter before Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 10, verse 39. And these are those words. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. What an introduction to the museum. What an introduction to this catalog of spiritual giants, of faithful people, people who did not shrink back. No matter what, they didn't shrink back in fear or doubt. Rather than folding under the pressure of temptation or persecution, they pressed on. Rather than conforming to the ways of a chaotic and confused world, they stood out and they stepped out in bold faith. Rather than getting caught up in the things of the world, they invested their lives in the things that matter most. You want to leave a legacy? 
follow their example. That's what you do. A legacy of faith that reaches into the future starts with being faithful right now, today. Only real and durable faith makes a lasting impact on people and on the world. If you want to leave an imprint of Jesus on others around you, on your children, on your grandchildren, on the people in your sphere of influence, then live differently than the world lives. Show them something that's different, that's real, that's genuine, that's inspiring. Show them what Jesus looks like in your home. Show them Jesus at work, in the world. Let the world see Jesus in you. If Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, if that passage is the inspiration that greets you as you go into the museum, then the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12 are probably posted at the exit because these two passages serve as bookends or brackets for Hebrews chapter 11. So imagine walking through this museum. You've read all the displays. You've seen all the stories. You've been been inspired by the sacrifice. But before you walk through the exit door into this broken world, back to your life, there are some more words inscribed on a plaque. Those are the words from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Since we have these stories, we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Since we are not alone in this world as people of faith, then let's be inspired by their stories and let's follow their example and let's keep running the race. That is how you leave a legacy. When you throw off anything that holds you back, anything that keeps you from demonstrating real faith. When you get rid of anything that keeps you from living at the center of God's will, whether that be sin or fear or doubt or maybe misplaced priorities or legalism or pride or materialism or comfort or something else, you cast it away, you throw it off, And you fix your eyes on Jesus. And you put one foot in front of the other. And you live faithfully today so that you can leave a legacy for tomorrow. So back to the museum. As you read the inscription of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, near the exit, you notice that there is something else there. There is a mirror on the wall right in front of you. And below the mirror, you see a little plaque with question marks on one side, a dash in the middle, and question marks on the other side. Some of the displays throughout the museum had a similar plaque, and you know what it is. On the left side is the date that that person began his or her race. And on the right side is the date that that person ended his or her race. But now you're looking in the mirror. 
and you're wondering what this is about. It's about you. On the left, through modern technology, all of a sudden your date of birth comes up where those question marks are. In between, there is a dash. But the one you're looking at is different than the ones throughout the museum because on the right side, there's not a date there. You don't know. You don't know when your race will end. As John Ortberg explains, you have no say. You have no say in the date on the left. You arrived here without getting a vote. (laughs) No one asked you if you wanted to be born at that time with those parents. You didn't have a say in what your DNA would be. All those things were chosen for you. But you were created in the image of God and destined for eternity. And then you have the question marks on the right. One day, those two will be filled in. They will be replaced with a date. And like the date on the left, you really don't have much to say about that date on the right. And this is the part that gives us a sense of urgency. We don't know. We only have one shot at this life, which brings us to the little dash in the middle. Maybe you've heard the question before, probably at a funeral, but I think it's a good question. And the question is this, what are you going to do with your dash? That little dash is yours to use. You get to decide. What treasures will you pursue? Treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? Where will your priorities be? What will you leave behind? You see, lasting legacies are made when we give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. So what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with that little dash? Legacies are made when we live with a bold faith that the world can see, that leaves an imprint of Jesus around us. And so let me read those words again from Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter, or the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That is your challenge. That is my challenge. That is our challenge for this week. When you think about leaving a legacy, it sounds so ominous. It sounds so big. But legacies that extend into the future are made today and tomorrow and this week by fixing your eyes on Jesus by throwing off anything that keeps you from running the race in a way that honors him. And just put one foot in front of the other and keep running. If we can encourage you tonight, if we can lift you up in prayer, we'd be happy to do that. Or maybe today you're ready to give your life to Christ, to be baptized into Christ. If that's the case, we would be most happy about that, assist you with that. 
If there's something we can do tonight, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.